1 Peter chapter 2. Verse 16 is really important. Verse 16 is very important. One of the great myths about Christianity is that to become a Christian is to lose your freedom. Yeah? So it goes, a Christian is someone who's kind of locked into a miserable pattern of rule-keeping and of having to go to church and having to go to bed early when everybody else is out having fun and staying up late. That's how it feels, doesn't it? That's how it goes. I want to be free. I want to be free. And that's how my thinking went 13 years ago. Do you know, I can actually remember saying to the Christian that prayed for me and was holding out the Lord Jesus to me, yeah, I know, I hear all that you're saying, I just, and I'll come to it at some point, but I just, I want to have my fun at the moment. I, I, I want to be free to do the things that I want to do. I don't want to be locked into that Christianity that you're trying to hold out to me here. And so it's odd here, isn't it, that Peter's telling Christians that he's writing to that they should live as free people. Another translation says, exercise your freedom. Peter isn't saying behave as though you were free. He's saying you are free. And so certain is Peter that the believers that he's writing to are free, that he has to tell them not to use their freedom as a cover-up for evil. Because they are free. Now I want to say, as, as, as Steve has already mentioned, there's a lot in these verses about what we should do. And much of it is really tough. Really tough. But believer, your freedom in Christ is the most wonderful, wonderful truth. The extent to which you believe that you are free and that you live it and you glory in it will determine how effective we as a church are at reaching out to the people of speak here, the people in our lives, and bringing them into that same freedom. There's loads in these verses about what we should do. And it's really tough if we stop and pause and think about it. Abstain from sinful desires. Live such good lives among the pagans. Submit yourselves to every human authority. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. And and those commands are just in the few verses we've been looking at this morning and had read to us. But let me say this. I would have failed this morning if you don't go away with anything other than saying, I am gloriously free in Christ to do all of that. I am free in Christ to do all that it says here. That's the message. That's That's what Peter is saying here. So first of all, Christian, let's look at this, we're going to look at it in three parts. First of all, Christian, you are free to walk away from sinful desires, verse 11. You are free to give sinful desires the big talk to the hand. Christian, you are free to walk away from sinful desires. 
Verse 11, dear friend, Peter begins, or beloved. When I say to my wife, darling, she knows, oh yeah, what's, what's coming up next? If I address her like that. And Peter says, dear friends or beloved. And we should be thinking, oh, what's coming next? I urge you, he says. Not, I'd like you to think about this, but he says, I urge you. As foreigners and exiles... And that's important right there. Peter's picking up their identity from chapter 1, verse 1. He's saying that this walking away from sinful desires is going to have something to do with what he said right from the beginning to where we've got to now, effectively. He says, I urge you as fathers and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. I wonder, do I need to explain what Peter means by sinful desires here? Do I need to explain that to anybody? Isn't it interesting how Peter doesn't explain it? He just throws it out there. So I think he thinks we know what he means. Doesn't he? Abstain from sinful desires desires but they'll be different for each one of us let's think about it for a minute the word desire shows that they, they look attractive don't they and it's also a, a word which means it's very deep these are attractions that are felt really deep aren't they really deep in our hearts they live right deeply within so those desires are attractive and they promise good things. But the truth is, they want to destroy us. It says they wage war against your soul. What feels like the most natural thing in the world is actually a fight to the death. And we mustn't soften that word. War is bloody, isn't it? War is kill or be killed. I'm going to come to Ron in a minute. Because I know Ron knows something about war. War is conquer or be conquered. Isn't it? You might have to give him a nudge. <laughs> war, Ron. We're thinking about war in this passage. And we're thinking about the violence of it. No wonder Peter says, I urge you. Abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Now, Christian, you can abstain from sinful desires because Christ has set you free from sin. You can't read verse 11 without everything that's gone before. We should read verse 11 exactly as it is here. It stumbles out of everything that's gone before. If I had time, I would really want to start right back at the beginning and read from chapter 1, verse 1. And maybe you you could do this yourself at some point. Read through from 1, verse 1. Try not to take a breath until you get to verse 11. And you'll see how... (laughs) Nothing. (laughs) Well, do you know what I mean? Don't you say... We break it up into little bits, don't we? When we preach it and we look at it and so on. 
But verse 11 stumbles out of everything that's gone before. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. Peter reaches the, the climax of what he's saying in, in these verses, verse 9. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are a people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as aliens and strangers in the world, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Do you see how it goes? Do you see how we should be reading that? Christian, you can abstain because you have been set free from sin. You have been born again. Something definite and objective has happened. You are a new person. You have been renatured. You have been born again into a new humanity with Jesus Christ as the head. The Spirit of Christ himself dwells within you. The forever word of God has brought you to forever life. You have an inheritance that can never perish or spoil or fade. And it's the best inheritance ever. It's everything you love about this world, minus everything you hate about it, maxed up a million times. That's your inheritance. You've got a father who loved you enough to send God himself to send his son Jesus to die for you. He will never leave you or forsake you. He's not even going to leave your faith in your own hands. He's going to bring trials to strengthen it because it's too important. Because your faith is too precious to leave up to you. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That is what you are. And I want you to hold that out to those sinful desires when they wage war against your soul. I want you to hold them out to those sinful desires and see them wither and see them just shrink in the face of all that you are. Yes, these are desires. We know them, don't we? We feel them. And yes, it'll be like arm-to-arm combat. It'll be violent. There's a battle going on deep within. But what you have in Christ is better. It's better than anything those things whisper. Freed from sinful desires. That's what you are. Freed from sinful desires. But secondly, Peter says, you are free to love haters. Christian, you are free to love haters. He says in verse 12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. How do you feel about the kids that throw stones at the Noahs here? And rocks. How do you feel about the kids that graffiti on the playground? How are you going to keep putting your hands in your pockets week in and week out to pay for the vandalism and the outreach to people who are throwing rocks at the building? How are you going to be nice to that bully in school? who keeps calling you a Bible basher. How are you going to do that? If if I'm free, as it says here, 
well, surely I'm going I'm to come to the end of my patience with that and I'm going to think, I don't have to bother because I'm free, I'm free. And what does Peter say? Live such lives, such good lives among the pagans. Why? That though they may accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Christian, you are free to love haters. You are free to love opponents of the Jesus that you love by doing good to them. Because there is something more important to your pride. There is something more lasting. There is something more real. There is something more precious. There is something more worthwhile. Verse 12 that they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Or as another translation puts it more helpfully, they'll be won over to God's side. They'll be won over to God's side and be there to join in the celebration when he arrives. If you've been born again, Christ has freed you to love freed you from pride, freed you from self-pity, freedom from seeing those kinds of attacks personally and from that nagging desire for revenge because you have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good this morning? And you want that for others. Oh, you, you want that for others, don't you? Shouldn't that really make us happy? I mean, I know how to be happy like the next person. You know, I, I know how to be happy. I can be happy with a tug of, a tub of Haagen-Dazs ice cream. That makes me, I can be moderately happy. Now, if you give me some, some nice music to listen to, like Ali Jones singing Hushabye Mountain, now I'm starting to get to the, the peak of happiness. Hushabye Mountain by Ali Jones and a tub of Haagen-Dazs ice cream. Wow. It doesn't get much better than that. It's living the dream, that is. But that is nothing. I wonder what makes you happy. <laughs> I wonder if you anything like that. Probably not. But that is nothing. That is absolutely nothing compared with this. They'll be won over to God's side and they'll be there to join in the celebration with you when he arrives. Doesn't that make you... Doesn't the prospect of that make you happier than anything else in the whole world? That people you know and you love could be there celebrating when the Lord Jesus Christ returns. Wow. If you've been born again, Christ has freed you to love because you know that you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good. Christ has freed us to do that because it's exactly what he did. Wasn't it? Wasn't that just what Jesus himself did? He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him, John says. He came to his own and his own people didn't receive him. What's the hostility that we face compared with the hostility that he faced? What's the rejection that we face from people compared to the rejection that Jesus faced? He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth, it says. 
like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. At the cross he said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. This is the Saviour that we follow. Christ has freed you from pride and self-pity and taking it personally and that nagging desire for revenge. Christ has freed you to love haters. I wonder what that will mean for you next week. I wonder how you'll put that into practice next week. Free to walk away from warring sinful desires, to give them the big hand. Free to love haters. Free to meet the hostility of the people of speech with such good lives that they're good, that they're good. And finally, free to submit to every human authority, Peter says, verses 13 to 17. Let's read those verses. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority, or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Now, I don't think that needs a great deal of explanation, actually, from me. It's pretty clear enough, isn't it? Peter says, submit yourselves to, or obey, or be subject to, or put yourselves under every human authority. Whether to the emperor, from the very top, or to the governors, by which he means every other little layer down, all the way down, through human society. There's no wiggle room. Peter doesn't say be subject to them provided they deserve it or provided they're doing you good. And it obviously includes for us government, national and local. It means law enforcement officers, police. It means the tax authorities. It means the teachers and head teachers in our schools. Of course, it, it means all of those things. But it goes deeper than that, I think. Because I think we voluntarily enter into relationships every day where what Peter says here actually applies as well. For example, the relationship that I have with the company who are selling me, I don't know, electricity or broadband or whatever else it might be. Submit yourselves to every human authority. is going to be different for each of us. But let me tell you where I find it particularly tough. Last week, um, or in the last couple of weeks, my bank locked me out of telephone banking that I used to try and find out balances. It's all to do with the move and, and so on and so on. Um, but, you know, I, the old red mist comes up when I feel I'm being, my rights are being kind of squashed or I'm being trodden on. You know that feeling, the kind of red mist comes up and, uh, and it isn't long before I'm saying, well, I'm sorry, but I, I need to speak to the manager. 
And so I begin to escalate it through the levels of authority. And to be honest, I'm rude. I'm rude. I find it easier to be rude to the first person, slightly less easy to be rude to the next person, and so on and so on. But these are human authorities that the Lord has brought into my life in that situation, and I'm rude. When you became a Christian, when I became a Christian, we gave up our rights like that. Let me tell you, you're a servant of God and you don't need them. You don't need human rights. Rights are temporary. Rights differ from one society to the next. They depend on where you live. I mean, we enjoy some fabulous rights here. But what about people in some other parts of the world? What do you say to them? Don't fight over your rights. Guys, don't fight over your rights. They're too unimportant. And I want to just park off for a second here and say, and just qualify what we're looking at here by saying there will be times when a human authority might ask you to submit to something which God has expressly forbidden. But I want to say, for us, that's rare. Living where we do in this age, that's rare. But if you're troubled by that, I can show you where, in these verses, Peter allows for that in the fear of God. That we shouldn't do that which God has expressly forbidden. Okay, but I'm not going to go into that here because for most of us, most of the time, we need to hear what Peter says here. Honour, he says, submit. Honour, submit. I need to hear that. We need to hear that. Honour and submit means show proper respect, even if you think they don't deserve it. Submit yourself means they have the last word. It means be polite. Submit means don't grumble. And don't tell everybody else what you think about that, this authority or that authority or him or her. Submit means honour and obey the law, the tax authorities, your teachers, whether or not they're watching. Whether or not they're watching. That is incredibly hard, isn't it? How am I going to do that? When every ounce of me wants to, to assert my rights and say, this is my right to do this or that, to get cross or whatever else it might be. We're staring verse 15. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. We are free to submit to every human authority because it is God's will. Because we believe in a God who, with absolute precision and particular care, makes every single detail of our lives an opportunity for us to grow, to grow up into salvation through that, through that trial. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. And I take it that there's just a reminder again in that doing this, doing what Peter's talking about here, but the people among whom we do that might be won over to God's side. 
and be there to join in the celebration with us when he arrives. Listen, if Jesus himself can say, not my will, Father, but your will be done. If the Lord Jesus himself can bow to the authority of his Father, then in him we are free to submit ourselves, for the Lord's sake, to every human authority. Show proper respect to everyone. Everyone, Peter says. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. Well, these verses are tough, we said, didn't we? Just to conclude. Abstain from sinful desires. Live such good lives among the pagans. Submit yourselves to every human authority. Show proper respect to everyone. Christian, you are gloriously free in Christ to do all of that. You are gloriously free in Christ to do all of that. And when over the next few weeks we'll hear more about how we are to live as foreigners and exiles, which is what Peter's doing over these next few chapters, we must never move away from the wonderful truth that you are free. You are free to do these things in Christ. You are free to live as people who are free. Let's live as people who are free. Let me just read to you what Jesus himself said about what he's come to do. In Luke chapter 4, when he went into the temple on the Sabbath and he took the scroll from the prophet Isaiah and he opened it up and Jesus said this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Christian, we have the joy of living in the glorious freedom that Christ has brought for us. And if you're a visitor here this morning, Jesus said he's come to free you in order to be able to live in the light of that freedom. And we would love to show you more about that freedom that the Lord Jesus Christ talks about. To help you to see that. So please, don't go away from here without knowing that freedom for yourself. Well, what I'd ask the musicians to come up and get ready because we're going to sing to finish. But, but while they do that, let's quietly just close our eyes and where we're sat, in the light of what we've heard, let's bow our heads and ask for God to help us. First of all, to know our identity in Him. And then think through those challenges in this passage. How does knowing your freedom and your identity in Christ, it's going to help you this week to abstain from